Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Geek Rant, episode 330, The Third Industrial Revolution, recorded July 8th, 2018, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Drive Time Radio for Geeks. I am your host, Mark, sometimes known as the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel, and joining me this week... As always, except last week, and we won't mention that, are your two stalwart co-hosts, Seth, the Gooey Kid Anderson, and Miles, the Aussie Janair Wakeham. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, Mark, and welcome back, Miles, and all the great opiates. Yeah, I, I promise I won't cough up a lung. Yeah, don't, don't make promises you can't keep, Miles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, the reason there was the pause there between... Key Grant episode 330 and the date was the the title wasn't where I expected it to be and it was a total Ron Burgundy moment. It was in the document in no less than three different places but it wasn't where I expected to see it and so my brain was like I can cannot continue. Sorry. I don't know what to do here. Um, <laughs> this is what happens when you let Miles write the show notes. He doesn't put the title in the right place and I say F you San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first try. Can I give me a break? Uh, all right. So welcome back. I like money. We're glad you're feeling <laughs> better. Uh, I just very quickly, uh, I wanted to, I, I watched this weekend um, because I happened to see it on Amazon Prime. I don't check Amazon Prime very often. And for some reason, I just clicked over there on a whim, a whim. I got a friend at work that makes fun of me because I put my, I put my H's in my WH's. Cool whip. On a whim, I, I flipped over to Amazon and uh, saw Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. And it had been in my um, Netflix DVD queue uh, for quite some time now, but I keep moving it to the bottom because I didn't really care that much about it. But anyway, I watched it and it didn't suck. I really expected it to suck. I mean, I was full on expecting suckage and it was a decent movie. It was a, a six and a half, seven out of ten. Um, definitely worth watching on a Saturday afternoon. So that, there's the great news. Valerian in the City of a Planets, uh, City of a Thousand Planets, doesn't suck. Yeah, nobody takes my word for it. But now that now that the uh, <laughs> wow, everybody's forgetting everything. <laughs> now that the I the Sultan of the Soapbox has spoken, everyone can rush out and watch it. Sorry. So what's the what's the theme? I mean, I, I'm sorry, I have no idea what this is about. What's the what's the general theme of the movie? Okay, so um, did you see? Um, uh, the Fifth Element. Yeah. Did you like yeah. The Fifth Element? Yeah, I think I did. Okay, if you like Luc Besson and you like weird sci-fi, then you'll like this movie. You don't really need to know more than that. It's weird sci-fi okay. by Luc Besson. Okay. I can live with that. All right, and and Seth, I, I am f- fine, actually, with you spoiling the crap out of this, but... Give us, please, a spoiler-free review of Ant-Man and the Wasp. I don't think you can spoil what I think is going to be a terrible movie, but please. Okay. It is It is not a terrible movie. This is... Okay. The first Ant-Man was... was a terrible uh, movie. No, it wasn't. It was a heist movie set in the MCU. So, it wasn't... It was, So, you know, just change your expectations, Mark. Golly. Realign it with the paradigm that they're trying to set for you. So, this movie is more like a rom-com 
kind of set in the MCU. So it's about Ant-Man and Wasp. And w- the worst thing about this movie is all of the cool fight scenes were pretty much done in the trailers. So it was like, oh, yeah, this would have been so much awesomer if I hadn't seen it. Mm. Oh, that would have been awesome if I hadn't seen it five times. That would have been awesome if I hadn't seen it five times. There was a couple of things that they didn't show early that was really good. Um, Not as good as the first Ant-Man, but still really enjoyable. It is set before, like just before the events of... um, Infinity, uh, Infinity War. War. So, and then there are two. Uh, there's a mid-credit scene and a post-credit scene uh, that tie into Infinity War directly. So you need to stay for both of those. Um, if you liked the first, okay, think like Guardians of the Galaxy was just a great movie, and then Guardians Two was kind of a blah movie. So I would put Ant Man below Guardians and Ant Man and the Wasp above Guardians Two. Okay. So, um, but yeah, go see it. It's it. The cool thing about the Ant Man movies is you. This one especially, you really don't need to be. You don't need to have seen the whole cinematic universe. You could have just seen Ant Man. And then this, and then go see this one. So this is this is the Marvel superhero movie for people who aren't in the Marvel superheroes. You take your significant other who is tired of you talking about superhero stuff and watch this one. They go, oh, okay, that one was kind of cool. And then you then you can go back and watch Hulk, Iron Man one, two, and three, Thor, um, you know, the Avengers, and then that fanfic, um, brief sighting of Ultron, and just get them caught up. And this will be this will be their gateway drug. Well worth it. Yeah, people often forget that the Hulk was uh, one of the, in the MCU, right? It was pre-Iron Man, uh, or was it post-Iron Man? I can't even remember. Uh, but it was a much better movie than most people give it credit for. Um, encrypted Ladders in the chat room, uh, you've set me off. I, I can't spend a lot of time on this, but he says, Ant-Man was an okay movie. I laughed when the giant Thomas broke through the bre- bedroom. That, by their own rules, that wasn't possible. Okay, because they spent like four minutes of screen time, four minutes out of 90. That's a big chunk of time explaining how your mass stays the same when you shrink or when you grow. And therefore, you're still a 200 pound man when you shrink down to the size of an ant. And then you step on that ant and you squish him and the movie is over. So you've lost me. That's why it's a terrible movie. You broke your own rules. You created rules. It's sci-fi. You can write whatever rules you want, but not more than two minutes after you created the rules, you broke them. And so I'm done. Okay. Just for you, Mark, there are new regulators in Ant-Man and the Wasp. So take that. But the whole technology is... Never mind. Okay. That was the first... (laughs) How many first generation and second generation products are vastly different? So they they've they've rectified the problem, <laughs> but not eliminated the fact that the whole movie was predicated on a problem. He didn't realize he had the new regular. <laughs> <laughs> but the ant is still dead. The ant is still squished under a two hundred pound one inch man. All right, moving on. Miles, Street Electric Street. Dreams. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, okay, so I listened to you guys last week. You know, I know you got a, a fan feedback show coming up, listener feedback show, but I'm kind of preempting it because I decided to be a listener for a week. Um, so um, 
I, Seth, you liked Electric Dreams. Overall, yes, some of them I like more than others, but I okay because you know one of the one of the main things I liked about it is it wasn't you know it was standalone episodes, so that was part of what made it cool. A lot like the Twilight Zone or Outer Limits. Okay, cool. So, um, have you not seen Black Mirror? Uh, that's Netflix, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't have Netflix, so not oh, sure. right. Okay, because um, you, you kind of have to. It's kind of like mandatory. I think without before you can enjoy Electric Dreams, you have had to have seen a series of Black Mirror. It's just it's just the way it is. It's like the law in some countries, I think. But um, yeah, whatever it is, find that series and watch it, and you will be forever changed. So who made is that's a Showtime, right? Or is it HBO? Originally, it was a British show uh, by a guy called Charlie Brooker, who was actually a comedian of all things. And uh, he decided on a whim, uh, he used to do these really kind of political satire comedy shows in the, in Britain. And on a whim on the side, he, he decided to write this science fiction. And what he'd do was really cool was he'd take like some current, technology like phones or Facebook or something, you know, new at the time. And he would twist it into this Twilight Zone-esque horror story about what happens when everything goes wrong and people put all their faith in this technology or whatever. And his work is unbelievable. I mean, it, it, it makes Philip K. Dick, it, it would rival his work. I mean, it's right up there. And this guy does these series, and like each one has got six episodes, and each one is each episode is entirely different. There's no thematic stuff. There's no uh, crossover. It's completely discrete episodes. You're like watching six movies uh, in a series, and it is so geek appropriate and so science fiction slash cyber thriller slash techno geekery stuff and it, it freaks with your mind um some episodes will really make you feel kind of horrible like you know you'll you'll walk away going i have a really weird feeling about watching that one that was you know that really tested me um and others will bring you to tears uh but i was just when i heard you saying you you watch that i'm like man we gotta get you some black mirror here I will put it on my stuff I would like to see in the future list. All right. I like good recommendations like that. Um, It took me two weeks to finish the last episode of Luke Cage. Uh, So it may be a while before I get around to it, but I'll add Black Mirror to my list. But for now, Miles, I want to know all about the third industrial revolution. Well, we, you know, we had this kind of theme, I guess, over the last month or so. Uh, I've been throwing all of these shows about decentralization uh, as kind of an ongoing theme. And one of the things that um, brought this to light was I stumbled upon uh, a YouTube video um, maybe two or three months ago, uh, and it it was absolutely brilliant. I've actually included a link at the very bottom of the show notes, which you might want to post. 
but it was it was put together by Vice, who are the guys behind like Motherboard, and they're kind of a left leaning show. They're kind of liberal, uh, but they're very good at doing progressive, scientific, science based uh, stuff. And they did this um, uh, kind of a, I guess it was a lecture, but more of a in, in an entertainment form uh, by a guy by the name of Jer- Jeremy Rifkin. Uh, who projected an interesting thought, which I wanted to talk a little bit about today, and that was that we, in fact, may well be in or walking into uh, a third industrial revolution in history. And so, put a little context on this. The concept of an industrial revolution is kind of interesting. The, The first one which we would normally attribute the term to um, relates to the 1800s with the invention of the steam engine, which was predominantly a British design uh, that created the locomotive and created the first, shall we say, automated factories um, where humans hadn't, didn't have to do all the labor, right? We had machines helping to do things. And uh, that created an economy um, which turned Britain out of, despair and into prosperity uh, all through to, say, the early 1900s. Um, the second industrial revolution is really an Americanism. Uh, it was based around the concept of the combustion engine, uh, the idea that gas as a fuel source uh, created the motor vehicle and created the next generation of factories and created some level of portability uh, in terms of energy, moving energy around. Um, and to this day, we all drive cars with gas-powered combustion engines. Um, that, that was the switchover which created an, a, a profitable economy in the United States that led through all of the wars. In fact, it was because of that very invention that uh, America was able to maintain such a dominant position in terms of its military might because of its equipment. It had planes, tanks, submarines. It had things that ran on the combustion engine, which were critical factors in terms of its ability to win wars. Um, so too, you know, other countries did as well, but just not quite as good. And as a result, the res- you know, you see the results. That's how the wars work. Um, Industrial revolutions, when it came came to the combustion engine, changed and it, it, it turned enormous amounts of economic wealth into the hands of people who owned that technology. So right now, the, the interesting theory is the third industrial revolution is all about finding yet another form of power. And in this particular case, I'm thinking we're talking solar. Now, some could say wind, but I'm thinking solar. And the one reason why this is, you know, the one thing about solar is it's not quite as good as combu- as gas power combustion engine because it's not really as portable. I mean, you can get an RV and stick some solar panels on the roof, but it ain't going to drive you from LA to New York. Uh, it can if it's a very need. specialized car. That's been done, but yeah, they're yeah. basically bicycles. Right, right. But here's the interesting thing. If you think in terms of energy as the basis of, um, uh, say, creating these industrial revolutions, there's, we've coming very quickly to a point where 
everybody individually, and I can talk, okay, look, I'm a little biased because I live in Arizona where it's very sunny, but we're at a point right now where putting solar panels on roofs is economically viable. Everybody in my street is doing it. My neighbor just spent 30 grand putting solar on. My neighbor at the back of us just did the same thing. I'm, I'm kind of the slow one because I needed to be able to generate sufficient amount of solar power that could generate, say, I don't know, six, uh, 16 kilowatt hours of power or whatever it was for my, for my house. Um, I have to go back and research the numbers again, but I need a way to be able to generate the power, store the power, and support the consumption. And I've put all of my energy into trying to reduce power turn off things that don't need to be on, convert to LED lighting, um, upgrade air conditioners to high SEER rated equipment and so on, because I'm trying to get to a point where the economics of putting solar powers on panels on the roof equals my usage and I'm, you know, with a little bit to spare. Um, what I think is happening while I go through this exercise is that the cost of the technology is coming down and down all the time the uh, efficacy of each solar panel is going up. And I'm at the point right now where I think 12 months, maybe 24 months from now, I can be 100% off-grid. And that's great for me. It's, but what does it really mean? Well, the interesting thing about Rifkin and his, his study about this, this concept that energy drives these economic booms and busts period is that when the case of solar it changes a lot because all of a sudden, if you are your own power company, then it's part of a decentralized movement that you are no longer uh, tethered to a supplier that can dictate the things you need, right? You're entirely independent. Yeah, the whole and concept, let me jump in. Ahead, the whole concept of a power grid is pretty foreign in most of the world. Um, you know, Africa, the entire continent, for example, if you have power, it's because you generate it locally some way or another. Um, uh, in the, the U.S., really, um, uh, Edison and Westinghouse sort of competed to build a, um, a system of, of lines connecting every structure. And we just sort of embedded that over the course of about 100 years into that's the way things are. But yeah, it is, it is also an incredibly inefficient way to do it because all of our power transmits over a long distance and a lot is lost in that just in the the transmission if we broke that down and we were our own electric power suppliers efficiency would be gained just from doing that well it's it, another couple of things which should lead to that or, or, or tie off that are happening at the moment here as well like for example they they put a bill through um well, about a week or so ago, there was this uh, information going on in the local press here in Arizona about an initiative that needed signatures to get on the ballot. We've got, you know, elections coming up in November, and they do a lot of local uh, issues. And one of the issues that was, was being pushed by a, a billionaire out of California who was kind of lobbying for Arizona to take the initiative on this um, was that 50% of our power providers must generate their power through renewable energy by, I think it's 2030, something like that. Uh, that's a big challenge. But in Arizona, with the sun here being as, as bright as it is, one would think you could achieve that. Um, the power company 
responded that if this bill goes on the ballot, which, by the way, it did, it got 485,000 signatures uh, supporting it. So we'll be voting on this in November. If, in fact, this goes through, the power company are warning, oh, your power bill is going to skyrocket, it's going to go through the roof and all this sort of stuff. Well, that's because they've already got sunk cost in nuclear power uh, that, you know, will become, they'll have to shut it down. And they'll have to generate their power through uh, other forms. They'll be forced to invest yet again in power infrastructure. But what I think is going to happen is that if this thing goes goes uh, on the ballot and it gets voted in, you're going to see everybody on my street going solar like crazy. They're all going to put panels on their roofs. They're all going to be their own little power company. And they're all going to detach from that grid. And... It's interesting when I look at this, the, the reason why this is a, uh, a noteworthy event is that this is just one thing, right? Power. Okay, we've got lots of other things in our lives. Power is important. Energy runs all the things that we geeks love, you know, our computers, our gadgets, our internet, our TV or whatever. It's all run by energy. So if we put the energy back into the hands of the individual so that they have their own power capability, if you look at all the other things that are being put into the decentralized or back into the hands of the individual, uh, it's kind of like this uh, forest and the tree thing. We see on a weekly basis these individual events, but when you string them all together, you see this long line of decentralization. Uber, Airbnb, you've got... Um, uh, op more options for telecommunications. You're no longer needing a phone company, uh, maybe a mobile phone company, but but not in the traditional sense. People are cord cutting. Um, there, there are so many things going on that we're all decentralizing ourselves and moving away from needing even to be in an urban city. Uh, we could go off into the country in smaller communities, which would be more normal for humanity to do that um, and grow or grow food or get food from each other and generate our own power and still have our communications and not lose anything and yet drop our expense base dramatically by not having to pick up the cost of being in an urban sprawl. And, and these sorts of things are happening without us even realizing it. And it's funny, I, 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 it's almost like I blinked and when I opened my eyes and saw what was going on in the space of just a couple of weeks having been away and come back, I'm sort of thinking we're reaching, I guess, a tipping point where we fall into this new world where maybe we regain everything back that we've been threatened, you know, threatened against and, and, and complaining about how Comcast are charging too much or the pharmaceutical companies are killing us or you can't get health insurance at a decent price anymore. I think those things are starting to change. And I see that a decentralized model is the way in which we regain the power back. That's kind of my take on it, but I'm curious as to what you guys might be seeing. Seth, I'll let you go first. Okay, well, I'm hopeful that the future leads this way, but I also know that the big, you know, like the intro or not, we're talking about power. So the power companies are going to do their best to 
charge you for multiple things. They're not only going to charge you for the power they send you, but they're going to charge you for the power that they could potentially send you if you ask for it. And so, yes, you have your electricity, but you're still paying the same thing to have these lines attached because they got an ordinance passed through city, county, or state saying that, you know, your home has to be attached to a public utility grid or something like that. So it's one of those, you know, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance and and America doesn't have eternal vigilance. We have one cycle vigilance. You know, we'll we'll do the right thing the first time, but after that, forget it. We did it once, wasn't that enough? So I'm I'm worried that we're not going to be on top of it and allow it to come through. And then maybe you know more about this, but I know that like the process of making solar panels is very or is energy intensive and it's also could be um, kind of destructive to the environment is this another one of things where we get to pat ourselves on the back because we're going green but because the solar panels are made overseas they're poisoning their environment producing them for us so is have you looked into that and see how much energy it costs to make them versus you know how what kind of toxic materials are used and waste from that um, I can't say that from a, you know, as a scientific research project, I've gone into that level of depth, but we have a company here uh, in Phoenix that's down the road from us called First Solar, and they're mm-hmm. a, you know, a big stock market listed company, and um, they've been around for ages, and they were, I think they they were famous for co- for creating the first dollar per watt, or I, I can't remember, it, it was a, a, a they made they brought the price of solar panels down through efficiency, uh-huh. uh, but what ha- what happened was we could not find local buyers in the United States. They were actually getting those panels produced in in Pennsylvania, uh, but we could not find local buyers here. So they found their market by selling to uh, the city of Berlin, who. Uh-huh were early adopters and bought billions of dollars of first solar product and now are somewhere around 25% uh, green, uh, completely self-sufficient in energy. Uh, Meanwhile, you've got places like Denmark, which are 100% self-sufficient. And the funny thing is that um, it's it's sort of directly or sort of indirectly related to your question in regards to... um, uh, environmental effectiveness of, of build quality and so on. The one thing to keep in mind is that it's a finite event to create a solar panel and it's an infinite event to create uh, toxic fumes into the sky from other forms of, of energy production. Now, you could find better ways of doing that. You could reduce toxic, uh, you know, toxic waste um, and so on. But Nuclear power produces nuclear waste and fossil fuels produces uh, energy and solar produces nothing other than the cost of building a panel, a finite event. We have the largest solar fields in the world in Arizona. The funny thing is they're owned by the Spanish. They're not owned by us. A company out of Valencia, Spain owns it. And we basically gave them the rights to use our, our land because their argument is sound. You don't own the sun. And, you know, we don't own the sun. Everybody owns the sun, right? Everybody gets it shined on us. We all get sunburnt. We're all subjected to the sun. 
we all, no one owns the sun. So if you own land and you're willing to sell it off to somebody to put panels there, let them have at it. And if it means that you can produce those panels in the United States and make jobs for people and do that, great. And if you can't and you're not cost effective, fine. And I know there's a 30% tariff on this stuff now, but at the end of the day, there's still federal government um, tax credits against solar panels, which are incredible, by the way. They're not, they're not just saying deduct your purchase price against, you know, or X percent of your purchase against your taxes. No, they're saying calculate what you spent, take 30% of that, and just take it off your tax. It's like it's not a function of, of calculation against revenue. It's a complete, here's a check for 30% of what you spent. I mean, it's the best deal I've ever seen. Um, right. With these things and a a finite cost to produce the product, at some point, I I guarantee it's not an argument about green and and left-wing thinking and, you know, hippies and all that. This is an argument about what's right for my wallet. (laughs) And And I think that what we're going to see is that that individual decision based on do I want to write a check for 500 bucks a month to the power company or <coughs> put these <coughs> excuse me <coughs> put these panels up on my roof and let me myself be the power company all right so here's my problem with everything you just said uh, you know power to the people um you know all that good stuff R- rah rah I'm with you except that everything you just described requires a tremendous amount of personal responsibility and and that has been bred out of western culture and i don't think technology can bring it back i'm not saying it can't come back but these things that you you're talking about the the uh, uh efficiencies of technology as things advance are not going to change the human organism and if we want to be able to take advantage of producing our own power and being our own whatever um, we must first uh, create a better generation of humanity than we currently have. And that's the much harder thing to do. Um, because when, when I'm not responsible, when I'm responsible for my own power and my power goes out, I got nobody to call. And, and I, working in the corporate world, as I did in education even before that, the number one question anybody ever asked me was, who do I call when it blows up? Right? I, I was denied the opportunity to use tools because there was no 800 number. Um, that's the way corporate world thinks, but that's also the way the individual thinks. And for all these things where you talk about we're decentralizing, really we're just shifting things around. Cord cutting isn't cord cutting. It's just cord shifting. You move more over to that uh, Ethernet cord than you had before. You move more over to that fiber optic. But if we were to truly be decentralized in that way, if we wanted to generate our own power, we wanted to generate our own water, we wanted to generate our own entertainment, these are all things that we have the technological capability to do now. It's not technology holding us back. It's will holding us back. And while technology will advance at an iterative rate, like as you've described, I don't think humanity is advancing in any way. We're declining. And I don't know how to fix that. I don't know what sort of program, what sort of um, training regime will change the human element of that equation. Okay, I think Mark, you have misdiagnosed the illness. You have labeled this an illness with humanity. I think what we're dealing with here is a case of, um, you know, first place disease. So you know, we've talked before what happened to WordPerfect. They quit. Iterate. They quit. You know, pouring research in when they capture market share. 
what happened to uh, Novell Netware. They were number one, and they lost their edge. What happened to America? We were number one. We put in you know the first nationwide infrastructure like that, and so we we're still using that infrastructure. We got lazy. We quit developing, and not that R and D stopped, but production stopped in America. And so now we're being caught up and leapfrogged by second and third generation stuff. And we're going to lose our first place status and then we're going to get hungry and then we're going to develop some responsibility because what got us to this place was responsibility and what will cost us our place in the line is our lack of responsibility. And then when we get back in line, we'll go, oh, crap, we used to have it good. Let's get back to that. And then we'll we'll fix our infrastructure, electrical power travel everything and then we'll go back up front and then you know then we'll get tired and we'll get past and so so i think you've just misdiagnosed the disease well i don't completely disagree with you i think that before long before we ever look back and say oh we're losing this race the already taxed grid will collapse and that will be the thing um but it will it will take something that big it will take 70 percent of the country having no power before we take responsibility for our own power. Miles, what do you think? Well, yeah, I agree with you in, in essence. I, um, I, but I think it applies to so many different things. People don't take uh, personal responsibility for a lot of the things. They don't take responsibility for what food they put into their body. They don't take personal responsibility for um, their financial investments for their retirement. Um, most of the time, I mean, we've got the percentages of people who have no retirement savings at all and are relying on uh, social security or a, a pension uh, from an organization only to find out that either that <coughs> either one of those enterprises fails them at the time they need it um, can only look at this and go, well, I shouldn't have put so much faith and trust in xyz to be there when i wanted them to i Um, I don't particularly want to chase that red herring but i do want to comment that retirement is a is a new comment uh, concept in human history within the last hundred years nobody retired before about 1900 it just didn't exist well maybe the word retire i i i I agree that using that word i don't like the word retirement um that all of a sudden, no. The idea of you go home and you sit in your recliner and you do nothing for the rest of your life—that's a new yeah, no, concept. No, that that right. just and didn't that, exist. And I don't think that's a healthy or a a, a reasonable uh, strategy for people who get old. But if you're 65, you probably not want to be going out there chasing the the latest agile software development methodologies that the young kids are going to, you know because you're not going to find a job at that age and no one wants you. And at the end of the day, you're probably too tired to want to work those sort of hours anyway. I mean, this is just normal, you know, and it wouldn't matter. I'm, I'm using software development. If you were a laborer, if you were a, an architect, if you were a lawyer, you probably get to a certain point where you're like, ah, I'm done with this. I'm too old for this. You know, um, that's normal, but we have to have some way to support ourselves in that point. And, and the fact is that we are creating a generation of people who sort of don't want to address those issues and don't want to take personal responsibility but would outsource it, would, would um, defer it to another party. 
And when that not other party isn't necessarily there in their interest, it's easier for them to point the finger and complain than it is to look in the mirror and go, well, what was I thinking? Why did I do that? And, and I think there's going to be a time, I mean, uh, I wouldn't say the word of day of reckoning, but a time when people start realizing that we've made some fundal human mistakes by not taking personal responsibility of things that we had control over, but we elected not to do anything about it out of laziness or out of fear or out of just the anxiety of change or whatever it might be. And at the end of the day, I think that's a death, a death wish. You have to take personal responsibility for this stuff. I'm not saying you have to be the power company, but I think that what's going to happen is the technology is going to get easier. You're going to have your Elon Musks out there with his Tesla power walls and apps on your phone to tell you what's going on and four-way redundancy on lines and it's going to have to be done to code and certified and whatever. And at the end of the day, yeah, it's going to work and you're going to have free power and you're going to be, you know, 65 looking down the barrel and, and saying to yourself, man, I made the right decision 20 years ago when I went and put solar panels on the roof. I mean, that my, um, uh, my father-in-law, before he died, was in exactly it, that situation. He had invested early on in putting solar. He had a farm. He had invested early on in putting solar in that farm. And he didn't pay a power bill for 20 years. Um, I, I, I want that. I don't want the farm, but I'd like the not paying the power bill for 20 years. Um, I, I live in the South and there's plenty of sun in the South, but in order to have solar, I would have to cut down all the trees in my backyard. I bought this house because of those trees. That's a sacrifice at this point I'm not willing to make. Um, I'm, I'm willing to pay somebody else for power for the rest of my life to keep those trees. Wow, they're expensive trees. They are, but they're why I bought this land. Right. It's it's a beautiful wooded lot. That's why I purchased it, um, and you know it's just a it's a it's a lifestyle choice. We all make lifestyle choices, right? When you buy that um, seventy thousand dollar pickup truck, that's not because you need that truck. It's because that's a lifestyle choice. Um, and I think that's the battle we're in right now. I, I say that to illustrate the point of uh, we have a system where I have the ability to outsource that. If this if the grid to use that word collapse, I'd be out there with a chainsaw the next day. But we're in a situation right now where I have options and I choose to pay for power and keep my trees. No, I, here's the good news. Thank God we live in a country where we all have choices. Right. And, I'm, and I commend your choice and all power to you. But if you can't pay for your power, don't come run to me for the money. Yeah, well, if you can, ha- if you can take that on board and it's your choice and you, the buck stops on your desk, all power to you, man. I happen to live in a place where electricity is cheap, um, so right. it's a it's a very different experience. Uh, but you know, and then you look at people, uh, you know, in Portland, Oregon, for example, uh, solar is just not a huge option up there. You go even farther. What if you live above the uh, the Arctic Circle? Um, solar is just isn't isn't an option. So you're still going to have to outsource that to some degree. It may the the original origination point may be solar, but it's not going to be backyard solar. Um, it's just we're just not there globally yet, right? I'm w- I'm wondering if you know how like you've got areas, say the Saudi Arabian area, Persian Gulf, and so on, which are incredibly wealthy over the top because of oil. Right. I mean, Venezuela, Nigeria, other regions in the same world, but maybe without uh, a government that allows that wealth to flow back to the people. But 
Um, I'm wondering if there's a possibility that certain regions who have an enormous amount of solar may in fact become the Saudi Arabias of their of the the next generation. Yeah, I could envision a time where instead of oil tankers trucking millions of gallons of oil across the the U.S., they're trucking charged batteries. That yeah. that's a thing that makes sense to me. It could happen. All right, we got about a minute left. Any closing comments on that? Well, I was actually going to ask Seth because you, you're you're in a situation where you are uh, you are more likely to be able to generate your own self sufficient energy and so on, right? Yeah, I could. You know, we've got land, and I I I would have to cut some trees, but I got a lot of trees, so it wouldn't hurt to cut some around the house um, and throw some panels up on the roof. But um, I but again energy is super cheap because I'm part of a co-op and so it would take it would take decades to recoup that cost yeah miles you had in your notes that the national average cost was 11 cents per kilowatt hour hour I'm paying above that I'm paying 14 but it's still cheap compared to your what was it 23 yeah it's really you'd think in a place with an abundant sunshine it wouldn't be expensive but now Arizona's 23 and California's yeah. w- worse than us. And I pay you like seven, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and I would bet that most of the people listening to this program, and these are this is a smart audience, don't know what they pay. It's just not a thing that they've even thought about. I think they, you know, I put the challenge out there. If you are paying a power bill, have a look at your bill and work out what you pay and work out what it's like compared to the national average and see whether or not there might be alternative options or ways that even you could reduce uh, power consumption by doing some simple things within the ho- the house. I mean, that that's easy enough to do. But, um, you know, yeah, there are a lot of options here. And But all of those options cost money. Like you said, you have to upgrade systems. You have to replace existing legacy devices. Yes. And so you know, I'm going to put on my liberal hat and say uh, it's the, the poorest in, in the, the society that pay that, that pay the price for that or, or sacrifice because they can't pay the price for that. And, uh, and the only answer to that is, yep, <laughs> it just is. Yeah, it is. All right, that's a look at the future. Now, Seth, tell us what happened this week in history. All right, so before I get started, I first want to apologize because this is an East Texan trying to say some Japanese. So, um... On July the 7th, 1955, Tokyo Tushin Koyo, um, or the Tokyo Telecommunications Engineering Corporation, sells their first transistor radios in Japan. Why is that a big deal, you ask? Because three years later, this company changed its name to Sony. And that happened this week in History Mark. And now back to you. And I've heard of Sony. Um, they're a small company that, uh, that do a few things around here. They made the Walkman. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I don't remember what it was, but I was watching something uh, retro, right? A TV or a movie or something, and they had those orange earbuds, earphones on. Every That was so iconic. Everybody saw the orange. It, it, it was probably Guardians of the Galaxy. Anybody of my age recognizes those orange earphones, but yep. the kids have no idea what those are. No concept. But yeah, Sony changed the world. In a lot of ways, Sony changed the world. Think about that statement. That's a true statement. Sony changed the world. Yeah, and Sony is the reason I don't want to pay $300 for carrying around a Walkman that I can make phone calls on because a Walkman is not worth $300. (laughs) And neither is a telephone? 
It, well, because I mean, I do so little calling. I'm not popular. Nobody talks to me. So. All right. Now, what do you have to lower my productivity this week, making you seem like a better hiring option? Okay. Well, if you've ever wanted to travel the world and you can't do it because you're saving to switch over to solar power, well, this is a way you can bring a little bit of the world to you. If you go to universalyums.com, you can sign up. And what they do is every month they send you a box of snacks from a different country. And so that's what it is. Um, you know, other, you know, it can be from Japan, Korea, Mexico, Venezuela, wherever. It's just, you know, however often you just, whatever plan you purchase for however long you want to purchase, you can get snacks from that country sent to you, to your door, and you can try them and see, hey, I wouldn't want to go there because all their snacks are taste bad. Or I want to go there because their snacks are delicious. It's an interesting idea until you find out that most of the rest of the country eats bugs and worms. I mean, rest of the world. Um, but sure, that sounds interesting. Uh, yeah, the can- prices are six. Uh, excuse me, fourteen dollars for six snacks, twenty five dollars for twelve snacks, and thirty nine dollars for twenty snacks monthly. I'm assuming it is. Um, yeah, per box. And so you know, I mean, this is like. You know, you want to get something for, you know, a birthday present for someone, give them a cut three or four months of this. And so, I don't know. It seems like a great idea. I'm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm interested in it. The gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. And so, yeah, anyway, universal yums for your um, extracurricular stacking. All right. Uh, and just, uh, you know, this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can contact us. And, and you know, if you want to contact us to send us snacks, uh, while a uh, yum box from around the world would be great, a bacon of the month subscription would be something that any of the three of us would prefer over that. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> so go to elementop.com click the contact us button at the top of the page let us know what you have to say um we we often bring up these uh um deep subjects and we only scratch the surface of them because we only have about 40 minutes to talk about them um and and i'm i'm always wonder i'm hoping anyway that we spark um a deeper level of thought in our listeners uh, minds i would like to hear what that is let us know what you think uh and you can do that by going to elementop.com, click the contact us button, uh, answer the world's hardest um, captcha, and then um, fill out the form there. Uh, or you can send an email to uh, geekrant at elementop.com, or you can got, dial 559-IMOP and leave us a voicemail. I've been getting lots of uh, offers for like insurances on that line. I'd like to hear uh, an actual listener feedback at some point. Let us know what you think um, about this and any other topic that we've had. Uh, also, you know, there's always the bacon a month option. I'll be happy to send you my address uh, if you're going to send me some bacon. Otherwise, patreon.com. Uh, go there. G- give us as much as you can comfortably afford. Give us the amount of money that you won't miss. For some of you, that's a dollar a show. For some of you, that's $100 a show. Some of, some of you listening to this show have that kind of money. Whatever it is, give us the amount of money that you won't miss. That's all I'm asking. I'm not going to say give us what we're worth because you probably already are giving us what we're worth. <laughs> but go to patreon.com and give us the amount of money that you can afford to, without noticing it. All right, guys. Any other final words before we say goodnight? Um, I'm off to Australia tomorrow for a couple of weeks. So next time I'll be broadcasting from down under. And the podcast will spin the opposite direction <laughs> from down there. You'll be waking yeah. up early to do it? Wow. Um, I think actually I get lucky with the time zone here. It's not too bad. 
Yeah. So uh, I, I envy your travel in some ways, Miles. In other ways, I don't because uh, I don't like stuffing myself into small metal tubes and hurling myself across the country. If they were large metal tubes, I'd be more comfortable with it. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> but I do envy the you, the freedom with which you travel across the globe. Well, fifteen hours in a metal tube compressed is it is it is nasty. Yeah, uh, and you you learn a lot about yourself. <laughs> you know, what you I've, can take, what pain really is. <laughs> I, I heard a, a flight attendant, two flight attendants talking to each other. And it's like that first opening of the door of a pressurized cabin is to them the equivalent of sticking their head in a sewer pipe because that's however many hours of just farts and burps that have been stored up in that and as a passenger you don't so much notice it because it develops slowly but they open that door and it's like so they they actually like will play rochambeau to see who has to open the door Um, nasty (laughs) all right that's all we got for you tonight thanks for listening everybody we appreciate uh, you being here and we'll see you next week and remember pay for what you like